You are listening to a Victory Alabang podcast. What does it mean to fish for people? Find out in this message by Pastor Ariel Marquez. We are now going to look at the second installment of this series, Radical, is talking about our core values. Can we say this word with me? Radical. Can you please sound that you're like a radical person? Okay, one, two, three. Radical. Yan. Okay, convince me. Okay. Radical, we talked about uh, uh, Lordship last week. Uh, we're going to be looking at the next core value, which is evangelism. Another core value is discipleship. Okay, another core value is leadership. And the last core value is family. Everybody say family. In fact, if you look at the rightmost part of the auditorium, you will see on the banners, these are the sayings that basically represent the core values. Last week, we talked about lordship, and the saying is Jesus, period. Okay? And today, we're going to be looking at evangelism, and the saying is 99 and the 1. I'd like to invite everyone to stand with me. We're going to be reading from Luke chapter 15, and we'll be reading seven verses this evening. Luke chapter 15. Okay, beginning from verse 1. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear him. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered. Everybody say muttered. Muttered. This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. They're basically complaining, you know, with a low voice. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice. Everybody say, Rejoice. Rejoice Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Let's bow our eyes and pray. Father, we welcome you here tonight. Thank you for your presence in this place. Thank you for your grace upon our lives. That once we were like this sheep, we were lost, but you found us. We thank you for bringing us back into the herd, into your spiritual family. Lord, I pray, God, that in the same way that you have been burdened, Lord God, to reach out to the lost people, may you impart to your people the same burden, the same compassion for the lost. We thank you for this night. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody say, Amen. Amen. You may all be seated. All right. Now, how many of you here have lost something before? Whether it's a set of keys, whether it's a cell phone, whether it's your Bible, whether it's your wife. <laughs> oh, no, 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 not the wife. Whatever, okay? How many of you have lost something? Please raise your hand. And what was the feeling when you lost that thing? Frustrated, sayang, I don't know. Uh, I don't know maybe condem- if it's a more valuable thing, maybe you know you're you can't sleep anymore. So we're looking at stories of these things in the Bible 
that were lost. In fact, we're focusing on the word evangelism, particularly in the 15th chapter of Luke. And in this particular chapter, Luke chapter 15, you will notice, if you're familiar with this, in fact, I want to encourage you tonight, when you get home, continue reading the entire chapter, because it's really a story, it's a common thread. It's a story of Jesus seeking and saving those that were lost. It's a story of the Son of Man, basically, in different parables, how his heart is for the lost. In fact, there are three particular stories that you can find in this one chapter. And these are all about lost things. Everybody say lost. lost. You probably watched the movie or TV series. I, I couldn't you know, stand that anymore because I got lost watching Lost. Okay? Uh, but anyway, the first story that we've, we can find in that chapter is the story of the lost sheep. And, you know, this particular story, you know, sheep basically is not the smartest animal on the planet. Okay? And the sheep need a shepherd in order for them to survive. You know, they're not really animals that can stand alone. Like dogs, right? How many of you have a dog? How many of you would say that your dog is a smart animal? If you tell that dog to sit, it barks, right? If you tell that dog, roll over, it just stares at you, right? It's a smart animal. You know, and, and you know, it says to be, it, you know, they say that dogs are man's best friend. Right? And I believe that you will agree with me on that. They, they stand alone. You, sometimes you see dogs in the streets. You know, you're wondering, does this dog have a master? Maybe or maybe not. But it can stand alone. Now, how many of you own a cat as a pet? Please raise your hand. Okay, God bless you. Because cats are different animals, right? You know, cats are snabero. Parang ganun, you know? Parang, you know, that's my impression of cats, eh. They're snobbish. If you say, kitty, 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 and they just, <laughs> you know, they just look at you, you know? They're not like dogs, right? When you say to a dog, here, boy, <laughs> You know, right? I mean, uh, especially if you're the owner of that dog, you know, the, just the, the, the tail, really. Anyway. But if you look at the animal like a sheep, a sheep needs a shepherd in order for him to survive. You will not see a sheep that's a standalone sheep, you know, crossing the Commerce Avenue all by himself. If you see a kind of sheep like that, that sheep is lost. Okay? So sheep basically get lost because maybe they're disoriented. Maybe they got distracted. Maybe because, you know, they're, it's out of ignorance. And some people are lost because maybe they're ignorant. How many of you know that there are some people who are sincere in their faith, but they're really sincerely wrong? And, you know, their faith is not really the right thing. Maybe some of us are like that. Now, the second category is the lost coin. Everybody say lost coin. Now, this coin got lost not because it was ignorant. Because a coin cannot make a decision on its own. It got lost because of somebody that lost it. It's, it got lost because maybe because of... A person's mistake, maybe because of a person's fault, 
Maybe because of a sin done to that coin. Or maybe because of neglect. Some people get lost because of that. Because of maybe somebody did them wrong. Or maybe you know, they, they were offended. Or maybe somebody committed a sin against them. They got lost in the process. The third category, or the, thick, the, the third story that you will find in the 15th chapter of Luke, is actually the story of the lost son, or more famously known as the story of the prodigal son. How many of you know that story? How many of you know the story of the prodigal son? How many of you are like that prodigal son? We're kind of like the prodigal son, many of us. The story of the prodigal son is not like the sheep that got lost because it was distracted or because it was ignorant. It was not, he was not lost because somebody did that to him. But basically, the, the prodigal son got lost because of his own rebellion. He got lost because of his own decision, right? He was asking his father, give me my inheritance and because I want my own life and I don't want to live under your roof. Basically, what this, what this guy is saying is, don't mind me, just give me my money, I'm going to you know, do my own thing. And of course, we know the story, he had to go back to his father because he squandered everything and yet the dad was so merciful to accept him back. And how many of you are glad and thankful that our Heavenly Father is just like that Father? Amen. That many times we squander the chance to repent before the Lord. We live our own life. We rebel against Him. We do our own thing. We sin before the Lord, and yet we have a Heavenly Father who is so gracious and kind to us and merciful. Amen? Can we just give the Lord praise tonight as an appreciation for His mercy, His compassion? And the Bible says that His mercies are new every morning. How many of you are glad that the Lord's mercies are new every day? You know, when you wake up tomorrow, guess what? His mercy for you tomorrow is new. It's not recycled mercy for today. He's going to look at you with a fresh mercy and say, Sige, kaya mo yan, anak. Maski na makulit ka. I'll be patient with you. That's the way the Lord loves us. And so, here in the story, we go back, and we've read that we're going to see two kinds of responses or attitudes toward lost people. In fact, in verse 1, it says, now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear him. Here we can see this group of people who are considered outcasts in society, tax collectors and sinners. They're not really the ones that are, you know, proud about their particular situation in life. You know, the Pharisees look down uh, at them. In verse 2 it says, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. You know, these people, these sinners, they like hanging out with Jesus. Because Jesus, I believe, he's not a religious kind of a guy. I, I'm sure he's fun to be with. You know, he, he's so open every time somebody would come to him. Maybe it's a point of ministry. I don't know if it's his personality, but somehow... He draws the crowd. But the Pharisees, these are, and the teachers of the law, these are a certain category of a group or a group of people who are claiming that they are the son of Abraham, that they know more than the sinners, and that they're somehow accepted in accordance with the covenant that they know. 
Yet we see two different attitudes towards, uh, you know, towards sinners. The first attitude basically is that of a Pharisee, and their attitude towards the, the lost and their attitude towards sinners is they are unapproachable. Kumbaga, untouchable sila. Don't touch me. I am holier than you. I belong to the holy of holies. You belong to the outer courts. And so that's their approach. You know, in fact, you'll, you'll probably remember the time when a Pharisee was praying and there's a tax collector beside him and the prayer of the Pharisee is, Lord, I thank you that I am not like this tax collector. I am not like this sinner because I am actually accepted by you. And the sinner was actually beating his chest and saying, God, I don't deserve your mercy. I'm a sinner. You know, I don't deserve to be in your presence. Now, who among the two has been accepted by the Lord? The first one or the second one? The second one. Sometimes we think that because of our behavior or because of our external things, the things that we look at is many times what God is not looking for. Are we here this evening? We think that to be holy is to act a certain way or dress up a certain way or to look like a certain, you know, uh, you, know a whole, you, you, you can't have, you can't have tattoos or you cannot have, you know, uh, you cannot have earrings aside from your ears or so on and so forth. You know, I remember one time there's somebody who wrote in the offering envelope and made a comment basically your church is full of worldly people. Now, if you think about that closely, you know, for me, I'd be happy to receive that comment. Because how many of you know that God is happy if our church would welcome and accept different kinds of people in society? Amen. That's the kind of church we want to be. We want people to come in, whether you're a righteous person or you're a holy person or somebody who does not know Jesus, you're welcome to come in the church. And I believe that if people who are sinners and worldly would come here, they would act, of course, a certain kind of behavior. What can you expect? They're worldly, right? But I believe that as they come to church, as they listen to the word, how many of you know it's not the pastor, so it's not your seatmate who's going to change you. It's the Holy Spirit who's going to change us. Amen. And I believe that's the work of the Holy Spirit. It's not our work, lest we judge another person. You know, I don't like you because I don't like the way your face is. You know, misang ganun lang eh. Hindi kita prep. Ano ba yan? I don't know what you're wearing, if it's a belt or a skirt. You know, you, know, you get confused sometimes. But guess what? Lest we judge, we can't judge people by their externals. You know, Pastor Ferdy one time was wearing long hair when he used to be a, uh, a youth pastor. Back in the day when he was still in gallery or was that in Shangri-La, he was sporting long hair. And there was somebody who wrote in the offering. comment slip yung offering envelope natin Unsigned pa, unsigned, Okay. And the comment was, how come your youth pastor, you know, wears or sports long hair? You know, he should have a good haircut. You know, of course, Pastor Steve did not really address that in the pulpit. But somehow he said, the only haircut I know from the Bible is a person who actually 
you know, guilty of uh, sinning against God because, you know, and his name is Samson, okay? And he's the only person who got long hair. But, you know, the reason why Pastor Ferdy was sporting a long hair was because he was trying to reach the youth. And somehow I believe that during that time, it was cool among the youth to have long hair. And what he did was, he had to become all things to all men, particularly the kind of people or category that he's reaching out to so that they can relate with him. Are we getting it this, this evening? That we cannot really come and be religious and be like a Pharisee and be judging people. You know, did God hire us to judge or be a critic of people? Uh, let me see, you know, when I come to church, I have this sheet of paper and I'm going to grade the worship from a scale of 0 to 10, uh, 5. The preaching, walang joke si pastor, serious ngayon, 2. You know, the temperature here, it's too warm, no? Zero. So, you know, are we called to do that? You know, we can't judge and we can't just come here like a Pharisee or a teacher of the law and somehow the reason why they repel sinners is because of their attitude. But Jesus, the Son of God, the one who is the creator of the heavens and the earth, is so approachable. And every time people would hang out with him, he, could, he, do not, he does not condemn them. In fact, there was one particular story of a lady in John chapter 5, when he was actually asking for water. Remember that woman in the well? And this lady, the Samaritan woman, had five failed marriages. Jesus knew that, that she had five failed marriages. But Jesus did not come to condemn that. But ganyan ka? But ang hilig mo? But ang failure? But He did not come to do that, to condemn the girl. What he did was, go and sin no more. And then he said, you know, he actually told her, and he became a minister in the, in the city, in the town where she was going because Jesus basically accepted her and she found mercy before the Son of God. You know, basically the Pharisees have a closed attitude. It's the holier-than-thou club. Nobody is welcome. But Jesus has a more open approach. Anybody. Everybody is welcome in the kingdom of God. Amen. In verse 4 of Luke chapter 15, how much is the value of a human soul? And we can find that as a clue here in the way Jesus presented this parable. And he said, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Of course, we can't really relate to that here because we're not shepherds. We don't have a lot of sheep in Manila. You know, you eat lamb chops, I guess, from time to time, but we don't raise them. I don't know where you'll find sheep here. But it says here, does he not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? You know, growing up, I'm not familiar with sheep. I'm familiar with goats. In fact, you know, my, my dad would bring me to the province in uh, Isabella and, you know, my, our old house there, we have dogs and we have a few goats. So I'm not used to hearing the you know, sound of ba, but it's meh. I'm used to the meh, not the ba. Okay? But when you look at you know, this particular shepherd and the attitude, when he found out that one of the sheep is lost, his attitude is, 
1 verses 19, okay lang. Hintayin ko na lang mga anak to. Magiging 100 ulit That attitude was not like that. You know, and, and I believe that this speaks of the value that he has for that one sheep that was lost. Now, how many of you parents here have actually lost a child in the mall? Can you please raise your hand? You actually lost a child in the mall. Anybody here? Or maybe in a theme park? Wala? Ayaw mamen. Okay. Raise your hand. Come on. I'm raising my hand also. Okay. All right. Okay. We're all bad parents, right? Anyway, so. I remember one time when my young Jerome was, I, I forgot his age then. And uh, we were in Enchanted Kingdom. Can you imagine? Of all places. And uh, right after lunch, we decided to take a stroll. And after a few minutes, I didn't realize that he's lost. Shirley thought that he was with me, and I thought that he was with me also. <laughs> Apparently, he's not with me. So, of course, when I looked around, I said, oh no, where's my boy? You know, I was telling, should I tell Shirley right away or wait till I find Jerome? Because at that time, I didn't have the fear of God. I had the fear of my wife, you know. <laughs> she might kill me if she finds out that I don't have Jerome. So I had to retrace you know, everything where I went, and I was worried. I was trying to listen to a child that's crying. But you're in the theme park. It's heaven for them. They can be lost the whole day and don't care. And so, he was not lost for a few hours. In fact, he was just lost for a few minutes. And when I had to retrace my steps, I found him standing in front of the space shuttle. The big roller coaster, do you know that? You know, and I don't know, maybe he wanted to ride that, but he would not qualify because of his height. But can you imagine the feeling of, you know, that particular instance? You know, I lost my child for a few minutes. And yet the feeling was, oh no, you know, I need to look for my boy. You know, the attitude is, if Shirley finds out, I will not tell her, okay lang yun, isa ka pa namang anak eh. Because we had two then. How many of you parents will say that to your wife? You know, you lost one. Anyway, we have two. You, know, you still have one left, you know. It's fine, that's fine, you know. We'll, we'll make some more. We'll make some more. Come on. I mean, how, 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 how many of you will do that? I don't think you'll do that. It speaks of the value that you have for your child. And I believe that the Lord, whenever somebody is lost from the fold, he will find and make every means possible for him to bring this lost sheep back in the fold. And how many of us used to be that lost sheep? And how many of you are glad and thankful that God did not give up on you until you're found? Amen. Come on out. Praise God. You know, it really, it really speaks of the value that God has for us. In fact, in Isaiah, it says, we all like sheep have gone astray. And the, somehow the analogy and the picture that God gave us is, you're like sheep. Look at the person beside you and tell the person, you're like sheep. 
You smell like one. No, 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 don't, don't, say, don't say that, okay? We're like sheep, right? We've gone astray. Each of us has turned onto his own way. In fact, another translation says, each of us has turned to our own wicked way. But the good news is it did not stop there. And the Lord has laid on him, on Jesus, the iniquity of us all. Somehow God chose to look after us and look for us. And he gave our sins and put it on Christ who sacrificed his life and died on our behalf on that cross. In other words, when you look at the value of a lost person, it's it's really reflective of God's value for us because God values lost people. Amen? Can we read this statement right now? One, two, three. God values lost people. God values the lost. If you look at the story of Christ in Matthew chapter 9, when Jesus saw the crowd, He was compassionate and merciful on them because He realized that this crowd is like sheep, harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. And that was the same heart, the same compassion that He has for the lost. God values lost people. Why is that? It's because we are the crown jewels of creation. Can you imagine, if you, book in the, uh, if you look in the book of Genesis, every time the Lord would create something, He would merely speak it, right? Let there be light. Let there be vegetation. Let there be animals. Let there be you know, seas. And every time He spoke, for, the, for five days, He was just speaking it. And on the sixth day, when He started saying, you know, let us make man in our image, He did not say, let there be man. You will not find that in the Bible. But what he did was, he actually got some dirt and he dirted himself. And he fashioned man in accordance to his own image and likeness. And he breathed the breath of life inside man. Guess what? That's why you are valuable in the eyes of God. It's because God's breath is inside of you. God created you in His own image and likeness. We can't just consider a soul just trash. In the eyes of God, every one bit of a soul is valuable to Him. In fact, the psalmist was just so amazed with this kind of love that God has given that he was writing, What is man that you are mindful of him? The son of man that you care for him. Have you ever asked this statement, this word from the Lord? Lord, ano ba talaga ako? Why do you love me so much? How many of you are amazed about the way God loves you? I mean, the way God is patient with us. You know, we've failed God many times. Pastors included. We're not perfect. But yet God's radical love has been shown to us, has been given to us. And the Bible says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He sent His Son Jesus to die for us. And there's a reason why Jesus came. The very purpose why Jesus came is for the Son of Man to seek and to save that which was lost. Basically, Jesus came here on a rescue mission. And can you imagine Jesus, the only Son of God, the only begotten Son. How many of you know that God has given us His best? Hindi basta-basta, begotten to. Okay? 
Jesus is the begotten Son. You know, if I were God, can you, if, you know, can you imagine? If I were God, would I give my son for you guys? It's a good thing I'm not God. Because if I was God, I'd probably choose one angel who's about to retire. And I will send him to his final assignment. Go to planet Earth. Crucify yourself. And save mankind. Not my son. But no, God did not withhold his best for us. He sent the very best. It's not Hallmark, by the way. God sent his very best, his own son, for us to die on that cross. And that speaks of the value that he has for each and every one of us. Verse 7 says, I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing. Everybody say rejoicing. There will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. You know, we measure the importance of something in our lives when we grieve over its loss. When something is lost, you grieve over it, right? You know, we lost a son 10 years ago. We grieve over that boy. We grieve over, or we, yeah, even from time to time, we still, you know, I find my, my wife crying, you know. And she would tell me, I remember Jerome. You know, sometimes the grief will just come back. And the next thing is, the next response is, by how much you rejoice when the thing is found. If you lose something of value and you've been searching it for it for, for many years or for, for a long time, and if you find it finally, the amount of rejoicing that you have to give really speaks of the value that you attach to that particular thing. And in this particular uh, verse, it says that, you know, there's, a, uh, you know, there's the entire heaven is rejoicing over one sinner. Everybody say one sinner. One sinner. Heaven is rejoicing over one sinner who repents than over 99 who does not need to repent. Can you imagine? You know, maybe sometimes the reason why there's thunder and lightning is because God is having a party in heaven. Tumutunog yung sa buffer ni Lord. There's one sinner who repents. Let's party, guys! You know, maybe that's the reason why there's lightning and thunder. I don't know. That's just an assumption or a theory. It's not in the Bible, okay, by the way. But there's so much rejoicing in heaven when there's one sinner who turns away from his sin and turns back to God. In the same way that Jesus values the lost, we also need to value lost people. Amen? We need to value lost people. I believe that we, we ought to value what God values. In fact, Joey Bonifacio, Pastor Joey Bonifacio in his Lego uh, principal book says, what we value, we willingly sacrifice for. If you really value something, you're willing to sacrifice for that thing. If you value your child, you know, you'll sacrifice and you'll do everything to raise up that child in the way that he should go. If you want your child to be in the best school, sometimes you get to sacrifice, you know, magbabawasan ng konting budget for yourself in order to allocate that thing for your child. If you're looking at ministering to people, for example, if you really value the loss, just like God values the loss, guess what? It doesn't matter if sometimes you'll receive the ridicule, if you'll receive persecution, as long as you minister to the person that God has brought you to be, uh, you know, to, to, to minister to. In fact, the Apostle Paul is encouraging that everyone ought to do the work of the evangelist, of an evangelist. And it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 22, 
And I quote, To the weak, I became weak. To win the weak, I have become all things to all men so that by all possible means, I might save some. I do this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessing. I mean, do we consider ourselves, you know, valuable enough and, you know, a recipient of the grace that we are willing to give the same kind of grace to the people that God has entrusted to us. I mean, how many of us still have some family members that are not yet saved? Maybe you still have some friends and people that you know, that you work with, that are not yet saved. I mean, how many of you have people like that? Can you please raise your hand? How many of you still know some people who, who needs to receive the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ? Amen. They need to get saved. They need to have eternal life. Guess what? I believe God wants to use you to minister to those people. And it doesn't mean that you have to be a pastor, but God, I believe, wants to share this burden to you, even if you are an ordinary church member, because I believe God wants to use each and every one of us. Look at the person beside you and tell that person, God will use you to share the gospel. So give somebody else to share the gospel. And maybe some of us don't even know what the gospel is, or we know it's good news, yes, but how do I share it? No, you don't have to preach in front with a mic. If you have a testimony of a changed life, if you, if you know that God changed, guess what? That is your unique contribution to the gospel. Your testimony is actually one powerful tool of ministering to the people that you know, particularly to your family members. Anyway, we don't really have the time to, to tell more stories. But our response ought to be this. Our response is to go. Everybody say, go. go. God wants you to go. Tell the person beside you, go. Don't stay. Okay? Don't stay in your comfort zone. I believe that the first thing that happens when we come to church is we come here and we enjoy the service, we enjoy the trainings, we enjoy discipleship, we enjoy the fellowship, but there's a point in our life when God wants us to go, my question is, as we engage people in our workplace or in our families, is evangelism intentional in your part? Is it really one of the motives why you want to reach out for people or you just want to spend time with them? Because wala lang, sarap magkape lang. Wala lang, sarap lang magfellowship. I just want to hang out. I just want to chillax. So guess what? I believe that you're hanging out and chilling, chillax out, or whatever, if you say that. Your, 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 your fellowship can be more meaningful if you put evangelism as part of the motive in your, in your uh, reaching out to people. Our response ought to go, and our response ought to preach the gospel. Everybody say, preach Christ. We need to preach Christ crucified. We need to preach the power of the gospel because if they don't know what will save them, then our fellowship with them is going to be meaningless. We need to be intentional. Everybody say intentional. We need to be intentional in the way we present the gospel to them. And I believe that we can do that in our own little way. You don't really have a theologian to share the gospel. You can start with your own testimony. My question is, are we preaching the gospel? We need to go. If we feel that the, the souls that are out there are valuable to the Lord, then we need to ask the Lord for favor and for wisdom for us to be able to share the gospel.
You know, back in the 80s when I was a young Christian, you know, we, we didn't have this discipleship journey. We didn't start with Engage. You know, now we have this one-to-one test, booklet. We have all this discipleship journey tools, and we start with Engaging. We have Victory Week. But back then, we didn't have those. You know, my, I remember my first disciple teaching me how to do open-air preaching. And, you know, in, in my first few months of being a Christian, he brought us to Glorietta one time. And Glorietta then was not the Glorietta now. It was open air. There was a stage in front of an open McDonald's there. And my disciple said, go up there and preach the gospel. I said, what? <laughs> Just preach. I said, what do I preach? Just share about Christ. Okay? I was a young Christian, a young believer. I said, what do I say? So I said, I, I said my name. My name is Ariel Marquez. And Jesus loves you. Oh. And it was powerful. But yet, you know, as we were, you know, as I was talking, people were just mocking us. You know, some of them are walking by and they're throwing coins at us. Can you imagine that? They thought we're asking for money. I said, Say nyo na lang po to. We don't want, we don't need your money. So anyway, that was then. It was a crude form of evangelism. I realized that the more effective way to evangelize is to really share the gospel to the people that you know. Because if people know who you are and they have seen the change in your life, you are the first Bible that they will read even before they actually hold the Bible. Because you are the living episode, the one that can actually show them, you know, I am a product of the grace and the mercy of God. Look at me. I have been changed. I was lost once, but now I'm found. And that's really, it's very simple. It starts with a heart of compassion for the lost. We are to go. We need to preach Christ. And my main point I want to share as I come to an end, or prepare to end, we're not at ending, prepare to end, is since we value the lost, we must go and preach Christ. Can we say this statement? One, two, three. Since we value the lost, then we must go and preach Christ. Now, let me ask you this. We're going to go practical right now. How many of you have tried sharing the gospel with somebody? Tried, tried. Great, okay? Now, there are different approaches to sharing the gospel. There are different trainings, okay? I want you to just read this particular verse right now, okay? Read this out loud. Romans chapter 6, verse 23. One, two, three. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Again, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, I want to have this section right now. Can you see this particular verse out loud? Would you do that for me, guys, before you have a nice dinner tonight? All right. One, two, three. All right. Siyempre, di magpapatalo section na to. How many of you will have a louder voice than this, guys? Okay. Now, ready? One, two, three. Very good class. Now, this section, okay? One, two, three. In unison. Romans 6, 23. One, two, three, go. Now this section, okay, in unison. One, two, three. Very good. This section, one, two, three. For 
Alright, ito, puro bata ito. Malalakas ang boses itong mga to. Okay? Ready? One, two, three. And what verse is that? Romans 6.23. Okay, and you, in unison again, Romans 6.23, 1, 2, 3. Okay, now say this out loud again. Okay, what's the verse again? What's the verse? Again, go. You have just memorized a basic presentation of the gospel. Amen. That is one verse that you can actually share to people. Amen. Can you say that again with me? Romans 6.23 That is a verse that serves as an outline of how you can share the gospel to your friends and to your family. You can actually use that verse on a table napkin with a ball pen and illustrate and explain to them the significance of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. That we used to be sinners, but now we receive eternal life. It gives you a basic knowledge of the gospel. It will arm you. you know, the more you think about it, the more you memorize it, you'll become more familiar with it and you'll become more comfortable with it sharing to your friends and family members. Amen. We hope you were inspired by that message. Read more about the Victory's 30th anniversary celebration by visiting our website at www.victoryalabang.org and joining us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Happy anniversary and stay connected.